I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in. And we are back. This is the Fat Packs Podcast on the Beckett Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric. We are coming to you live day two from uh, the Industry Summit here at the Westgate Resort in Las Vegas. My first guest today is an absolute great guy. He's been on this show plenty of times. You've heard him. And he is the uh, author and creator of the greatest Facebook shop video I've ever seen with him and a katana blade as he was slicing prices. Uh, Joe Davis. What's up, Joe? How are you? Hey, doing great, man. I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for uh, being here with me. Sure thing. Um, so I, 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 we talked about it last time at the Industry Summit, but that, that, that katana blade... Slicing prices, that was great, man. Just remind me, who came up with that? Like, that was actually my idea. I just idea? I looked around, and we had just bought this huge collection that happened to include a bunch of swords, and I thought, well, let's have fun with this. We were getting ready for last year's national, and so I just said, uh, you know, come see us at the national. We're getting ready to slice some price. You know, we're going yeah. to be cutting some deals, and, you right. know, so I had fun with it. I actually had people come up to me at the national saying, man, where's the sword? Where's the sword? We want to see it. <laughs> you, you, now, you've, you've, you've been experimenting with... Uh, uh, video on social media right. and I, I love it because you're just jumping in and doing it that, right. that's great and um, some people aren't you know some some shops aren't doing it and um, you can tell the difference I think from a following perspective who's doing what well right. um, you've been on two panels uh, here so far one first one yesterday was customer engagement which was great and then you had one this morning um, what what are you bringing to the industry summit this year like what are What did you come in here expecting, and then, like, what did you hope to bring and teach people? Well, you know, I've been so blessed to be a part of the hobby for almost 30 years now, and uh, as I shared this morning with my presentation, I've really been a lifelong collector starting when I was seven years old and just turned 51, and so I, uh, part of it is I want to inspire, uh, I've been so blessed in the hobby, I want to inspire other shop owners to uh, one of the thing, one thing I tried to point out today was I told them to embrace the memories mm-hmm. that so many shop owners we get caught up and I do too you know running the business and worrying about all the day to day activities and we forget why we got into this in the first place this is the greatest hobby on the planet and uh, you know I want to remind them that most of us started as collectors and and uh, to um, to kind of rekindle a spark in them mm-hmm. so that we as shop owners can relate better with our own customers sure that we do understand what it's like from their perspective you know and under you know relate our own passion for the hobby to them that's important because sometimes not all the time but I've been in shops before where I felt that I wasn't important right so what you're doing with the message you're spend, uh, spreading here is you know make it a point to be imp- for for that customer to be important because each customer is their own individual and they might and each one have their own individual experience i get that everybody has a bad day sometimes but if you can as a shop owner know that your next guy coming in is a big ronald Acuna fan and you have something sitting aside from him that's going to make his day exactly and that's a memory that he's going to have and, right and he's going to relate that back to you and your shop and then He's going to be a loyal customer, you know. Yep. So, you're building a customer base based by building, like, giving them memories, which is awesome. Exactly. Yeah, and it shows that you actually care about the customer, and that you've actually gone out of your way to, to, to remember what they collect, mm-hmm. maybe even to put things to the side for them, so right. that the next time they come in, you're ready and have it to offer to them. Absolutely, that's great. Uh, one thing you did point, uh, touch on, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot any guns here or anything like that, but. Um, you spoke about some negative press that, we, that the hobby has gotten lately, and you had a complete 
different perspective and how to flip that around. Can you share that with me? Well, yeah, first of all, I was just making the point, I'm tired of seeing our hobby take a beating. You know, mm-hmm. this is a phenomenal hobby, and, and sadly, some have twisted some things mm-hmm. and uh you know we don't have a perfect hobby there uh, there are individuals who've made mistakes there's companies that have made mistakes but the thing is my perspective is i focus on the good things in the hobby right and i think uh, you know i had customers come in and ask me for instance um about graded cards not not too long and they're like oh you know i hear there's some problems in the grading card industry are you going to dump all your graded cards i'm like absolutely not because as i pointed out in my discussion there are millions and millions of collectors out there who support the industry, who understand the importance of both grading and authentication. I mean, I've been around the hobby in the Wild West days when there were plenty of uh, people trying to, uh, you know, as a collector in the late 80s, before I was a dealer, you know, there were people out there trying to scam you and you had no protection. And one great thing that grading companies do and that authentications do is they look out for the consumer mm-hmm. you know they're going to make mistakes too because it is opinion and uh, sometimes bad cards slide through sometimes bad autographs slide through right but the great majority of the time they are looking to protect us mm-hmm. and you can put you know the reason that you see PSA graded cards and BGS graded cards Certain ones, you know, that investors are chasing. The re the reason you see them continuing to go up in value is because there is such a trust factor in those brands. Right. And so, you know, I tell people, you know, when when negative press uh, impacts the hobby and you have customers ask about it, use that as an opportunity to turn it around and tell them all the great things that are going on in the hobby mm-hmm. and all the great you know you know services that shop owners can offer and the different things. So you know, there's there's always a way, you know. We, we make a choice how we choose to perceive things. Right. You know, and and uh, honestly, since neg- some negative press about grading hit our industry, I've had more customers come in wanting cards graded and more customers bringing items in for authentication than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Part of it, maybe they got educated that, that it was there was such a thing out there as grading and authentication. And so we try to you know help them you know meet that need for their own collections. Is that surprising to you that there's been more? Not really, because honestly, the hobby is so strong right now. Mm-hmm. And as another point I share is there's so many investors coming into the hobby and you're seeing such uh, so many cards spiking in price that more and more people are wanting to get their own cards graded and their mm-hmm. own items authenticated. Uh, it's like I tell people, it's like when you grade an item, when you grade cards or you authenticate um, memorabilia or you authenticate autographs, it suddenly becomes more liquid in value because mm-hmm. there's an immediate established market for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you grade, you bring in a 93 SP Jeter that's ungraded, you know, you're like, oh, this is maybe a couple hundred dollars. Once it's graded, depending on the grade, you could have a card worth several thousand dollars. Right. So it, there's an immediate established liquidity to that collectible right. once it's graded or authenticated. Something else you said this morning, and I was actually just surprised by it, was uh, a dealer's message said that they're not buying any collections. Why on earth would somebody do that, especially in a market like right now? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess you know, his focus is just on moving through inventory, I uh-huh. guess. But um, uh, And I'm not even going to bring yeah. up who it is. Yeah, but, of course you know, but, not. Yeah. But, but uh, I just, I always 
tell other shop owners one of your great, especially if you know if, you know, if you've got that store where people are coming into, one of the wisest things you can do is let people know, hey, I'm an active buyer. Right. You know, I mean, I run advertising, I put it on our social media. Hey, bring your collections into us. We got cash ready to spend today. Bring it into the store. You know, and so. We know that maybe 80%, 90% of the time, the stuff that comes in the door is not what we're actively seeking, but mm-hmm. sometimes there's golden nuggets sure. in among the coal. You know, I had a right. guy I had a guy come in my store just last week, and he had five uh, crates full of stuff. Most of it I didn't want, mm-hmm. but we agreed on, a, on what I felt was a fair price, and he was happy to take. We start digging through it. We found some minor league sets with Marion Rivera rookies. We found some minor league sets with Chipper Jones minor league rookies. Mm. You know, uh, Ivan Rodriguez. I mean, there was some some nice stuff buried in there. So, you know, if you take the time to go through it, there there is opportunities there. So, I always stress to shop owners, don't don't get so focused on worrying about the next new product you're buying. Sure. To miss the opportunities in buying collections. Absolutely. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was you had some thoughts about the national that you shared this morning and yes. like the new blood coming into the oh, hobby. Yeah. So go ahead and let me know what you think about that. Yeah. One of the points I made is I saw, as I walked around the national, I saw so many, uh, booths that were, well, I saw a handful, I should say that were stacked up with graded cards of mm-hmm. specific player. I remember one booth had like a hundred LeBron Chrome rookies Oh wow! with a sign that said not, not for sale buying. We are mm-hmm. buying these. And then I walk across the room, and another guy had like a stack of Giannis Prism rookies. I'm like, not for sale. We're buying. And so I'm like, Man, what is going on here? People are just hoarding mm-hmm. these, you know. And so, and then I've monitored some of those since the national. Yeah. And some of them have seen significant percentile growth just since the national. So wow. I'm like, hmm, something's going on. I was like, and you know, neither one of them's been playing since the national. Right. But the thing is, more and more people are coming in and they're looking for the rock solid investments and you know guys like LeBron rookies and Giannis rookies mm-hmm. and Durant rookies and you know they're people chasing them and so you know we uh, especially they love the Prism brand they love the old Topps Chrome brand in basketball mm-hmm. and, you know Bowen Chrome you know you're seeing incredible spikes on a lot of Bowen Chrome rookies and stuff like that so you know and it's there's a you're, you're correct there's a lot of fresh blood a lot of fresh dollars sure. coming into the industry because they see things uh, as I said of a limited quantity mm-hmm. and you know there's only so much of them out there and there's an ever-increasing demand you know for tra- I mean Mike Trout cards it's insane the prices we're seeing I mean tops update cards of Mike Trout raw bringing five six hundred dollars yeah and, you know thousands of dollars on greater ones and so just like right now the next trend I'm seeing is Ronald Acuna yeah Everybody's saying he's the next guy. He's the next guy. And everybody's buying up his one-year-old Topps Update rookie cards and his holiday cards and, you know, rookies that they think are undervalued. Sure, sure. Now, um, I know that you got to run, and I don't want to keep you much longer, but um, you are an established member of this hobby. You've been around. I'm I'm not trying to date you, but you've been around for – Yeah, 30 years. Yeah, 30 years now. When you see guys like – Gary Vee and, and 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 Josh Stuber from StockX get involved in this. Does it get you hyped up and, and ready to go because you know that new stuff is coming, or does it worry you a little bit? No, it doesn't worry me. I love it. I had a good talk with Gary Vee. He came by my booth and we hung up for a little bit at the sure. National this year, and, and and I told him I appreciated the fact that he had spoken uh, well of the hobby as technically an out, you know, initially mm-hmm. as an outsider right. coming in, and uh, that he is helping. Uh, broaden the market, you know, people who follow some of his advice, that, that he perceives what value there is in sports cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, others, you know, StockX has done a great job of 
of, of establishing standardized markets for, for, for the sneaker industry, right. you know. And so as they get more involved in the sports card industry, I think it'll just bring other people in. And, you know, and also it makes other, other, you know, like StockX, for example, depending on what they do, you know, it only pushes other eBay and others to up their game, right. you know. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I foresee a lot of growth in the hobby. I see a lot of change in the next few years. I see... Um, uh, technologically, I see even more improvements coming to help people more effectively. I, I had a long talk with uh, someone last night. We were talking about who, who's a big tech investor, and, and he said, you know, one of the biggest things we need is to create a uh, better tra- for, forums for collectors to trade with each other, sure. to be better, you know, trade intermediaries out there to mm-hmm. help people effectively trade. And so, you know, a lot of good things coming down the pike. I, I, I've never been more pumped about our industry and what we have to offer to collectors both nationally and globally. Sure. All right. I'm going to let you get out of here. Before we do, though, as always, please drop your social media so my guys know where to listen, uh, find you at. Yeah, yeah, we're at Got Baseball Cards on Facebook, Got Baseball Cards on Instagram, Got Baseball Card Singular on Twitter, and uh, our website's GotBaseballCards.com. So awesome. Love to see everybody out there. Yeah, go check them out. Tell them the Fat Pack sent you. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to the Fat Pack. Guys, we are rolling around here from uh, day two of the Industry Summit. I'm really happy to be sitting, sitting in front of my next guest. Um, I, I don't know how, how to introduce him other than just a Major League Baseball legend. Played 19 years in the uh, MLB, 14 with the Dodgers, 5 with the Phillies, career 294. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Padres. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, this is Steve Garvey. He's, he's an MVP. He's multiple All-Star games, I believe 10 of them, or 10 – yeah, ten-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove, eight nineteen eighty-one World Series. He he's his stats back up everything. How are you doing, sir? Great. Thank Keep you. Keep going. So, You're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm just taking all the <laughs> all the ammo. So, um, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Sure. We really appreciate it. We look forward to hearing the panel in, in a little while. Uh, but so, I asked every every MLB guy I sit down with. I asked the the same first question: Who's the toughest pitcher you ever faced? Oh, yeah, and I do a lot of motivational speaking, so that's always one of the top three uh, questions uh-huh. in a baseball audience. Uh, but I always say I faced 12, 13, 14 Hall of Famers, but Phil Necro was always uh, the toughest because he threw the knuckleball. Right. He didn't know where it was going, and catcher didn't know where it was going, and you're supposed to hit it. So uh, <laughs> at, uh, every now and then the ball would hit the bat, but he was, uh, he was the best at it and extremely, uh, extremely good. And the only type of pitcher, really, where they like the wind blowing out mm-hmm. because the ball that doesn't move and against wind resistance, along with humidity, uh, makes them very effective. So Atlanta was perfect for him. Absolutely. Now, was that Folsom Field? Was that Folsom Field? Is that right? Uh, Fulton, Fulton, County Fulton County Stadium. Yeah, yeah, Fulton County. Yeah, a couple of stadiums ago. Yeah, so they, that, they've torn that down now. But in the it's still there in the parking lot. You can see it. And then they have where uh, Hank Aaron uh, – the home run that broke the record, that's still sure. there, too. That's really cool. And I was on the field that night. Were you? For 7.15. Can, can yeah, you tell me about that? Uh, and there was great anticipation. He had uh, gotten a 7.14 on uh, the previous weekend, which mm-hmm. was, I think, a Monday. And uh, Al Downing was pitching, and Al was cutter and sinker and very effective pitcher. But he left one out over the plate, and it was a majestic rise towards uh, left field, and I remember uh, Bill Buckner, our left fielder, climbing the, the, the short fence to try to get it. 
and uh, he just missed it, and he started to climb over, and then Tom House, right. the reliever, got the ball, and uh, and that was the magical moment there where the all-time record was broken, and to see Hank go around the bases and the constant flashing of lights from the stands mm-hmm. and then the ceremony was uh, was something I'll never forget. That was, um, I, I obviously, I'm, I'm not old enough to have seen that, but I've seen the video it that seems scary to me with people running out on the field and you know the, the, there were two fans that were like congratulating him as he was rounding second yeah, they're and third. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In Atlanta history, you know, I think their names came out, but uh, there was nothing malicious about it. They were right. caught up in the moment. And they were actually kind of pacing mm-hmm. him around, um, but there was plenty of security there. But I think all in all, it was a. A tremendous uh, stroke for baseball mm-hmm. and for our society. Now, you mentioned Bill Buckner. He gets a bad rap. Is that fair to say? Because he was a he was a really solid baseball player, correct? Oh, very good baseball player. He was my first roommate when we signed in 68 with the Dodgers. Had a wonderful career. Um, led the National League in batting. Had more hits than I, I did. I think he had 26, almost 2,700 hits. Uh, very good defensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one play that you're alluding to uh, right. against the Mets, and and I was there that night, and I know exactly what happened. Uh, Shea Stadium's built on a landfill, and <laughs> from first base on, it sinks in the outfield. It's mm-hmm. sunken over the years back then. And the ball took a hop and stayed down, went under his glove, and, and the rest is history. But, um, you know, people say, what do you mean, you know, bad, bad hop? I said, well, bad hops don't only go up they go down too right. and that just happened to be a situation where his left-handed first baseman going towards the line it's a little more difficult one of the one of the few times it's uh, tougher for a lefty and the rest is history you know Boston took a long time for Boston to to uh, forgive him mm-hmm. and those were the people that uh, you know were uh, very subjective and opinionated and uh, yeah. eventually with Opening day, I think maybe eight, nine years ago, they brought Bill back, and and uh, there was a mea culpa by the fans, yeah. a four or five minute standing ovation as there should have been, and, right. uh, and again, a great pay- player went on from there. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing that because I'm, again, he was he was way better than what people gave him credit for. So um, I'm taking a look here at your stats, and the year that you won the MVP, you batted 312, but it looks like your best career. Well, it was um, your best year in your career was 1975. You batted 319. How hard is it to bat 300 in, in Major League Baseball? Well, it's extremely difficult, and uh, it's becoming more and more difficult because uh, the whole objective now is to have what they call a launch angle to get under the ball, hit the mm-hmm. ball in the air. Uh, the metrics say that uh, you make more outs hitting the ball on the ground, but I was a, a line drive, hit the ball where it's pitched, hit right. down through the ball. Uh, I had six 200 seasons in a seven-year stretch there mm-hmm. and um, it was important for me you know and I still had the power to hit the ball out so uh, uh, the one year I hit 33 home runs when uh, 1977 mm-hmm. when the four of us Baker Say <laughs> Smith and myself uh, set the all-time record of uh, four players on one team hitting over 30 home runs yep. so it took a lot of pride in uh, and at that era uh, batting average so now probably not as important but uh Again, the end justifies the means, different years, different cultures, different right. objectives. Right. Let's talk about the, that, those Dodgers teams because you played, you played there for 14 years. I mean, what's it, what's it, are, you, are you still live in L.A.? I, I want to start there. Do you well, still? we live in the Palm Springs area, Palm Desert, California. Okay, all right. So, so I'm very close. I get back and forth to L.A. for business uh, frequently. Do, do you, do you, are you still, do you feel that you're, you're, 
your legend in LA is is carried out properly because I, you are a legend there. So do you think it's, oh, it's I think okay? I'm very blessed. I've always had a, a, a wonderful relationship with the fans. Sure. Uh, not only California, but around the country. And uh, recently I was inducted into the, uh, the first class of the Dodger Legends mm-hmm. uh, Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, Legends Dodger Baseball. And Don Newcomb and I and Fernando were honored this year to go in uh, this inaugural class. And there'll be several more players over the years. But uh, every time I go to the stadium, um, it's really interesting. If you were to walk 10 feet behind me, see uh, the relationship I have with the fans, mm-hmm. the interaction, the love. Uh, and that's what it's all about. I've always said if there's, there's one virtue a player should have, and that's the ability to connect with the fans. Right. We're in the entertainment business, and uh, the fans make all the difference. I ask that because I know that the L.A. fan is very fickle. They, they show up late, and, you know, they leave early. So um, it's that's <laughs> – well, they've gotten better over the years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the problem is the, the freeways haven't, uh, mm-hmm. nor the access to the stadium. <laughs> but uh, people leave a little earlier now. They've had uh, some very good teams over the last five, six, seven years. Right. And this year, you know, they used to say in Brooklyn, wait till next year. So maybe this year in L.A., Next year is finally this year for a world championship. Right. So we uh, this is a collectibles podcast. I'm going to talk to you about baseball cards now. Did you yeah. did you collect baseball cards? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? I started in 1956 collecting baseball cards. I was uh, seven at the time. My dad and two other gentlemen started the second little league in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And uh, I, I started taking my dimes and nickels and buying packs of cards and Love the bubble gum. And sure. Those cards, if you think about them, those 56 cards were pretty unique and interesting. Yes. And uh, over the years, I, I collected cards, became a big fan of baseball, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, my mother kept them. Oh. So in 1973 or four, I went home to Tampa. And, you know, I was getting traction in the major leagues. And there were more offers to do, get involved with the card companies. So I went home and I said, Mom, do you still have my, my card? She said, oh, yeah, they're in the closet in the top shelf. I saved them for you. She said, they're important to you, and I, I thought I'd do that. So I went in. I had six or seven have a Tampa cigar boxes of cards. Oh. So uh, I had a Beckett's magazine uh. and uh, took a Saturday and a Sunday and laid them all out and, and uh, ended up seven $8,000 worth of cards, which <laughs> nice. now it's probably... 70, 80, a couple hundred thousand. Sure. But um, it, was, uh, it was fun to do that, see the evolution of, of yeah. the baseball cards and collecting. Now, um, did you collect memorabilia through your career? Like, did you get bats or gloves or jerseys from, from anybody? Well, not really. Uh, mostly my stuff. Okay. And, you know, we didn't think about it that much in the 70s and 80s per se. But sure. with the explosion of the, of the card industry and memorabilia industry in the, uh, in the 80s, um, we started to take more note. My dad was the one that, that collected stuff for me. So okay. I was fortunate to have things that uh, that were personal, mm-hmm. maybe a Hank Aaron ball, or maybe a Willie Mays this or that. Or, um, you know, we started keeping things, and then you start having children thinking of uh, in posterity for them and their, and their grandkids. Yeah, awesome. Now, um, back in November I was I had the pleasure to sit down with uh, Steve Rogers from the Expos do you have any Steve Rogers stories because he he was he was a pretty prolific pitcher for the Expos uh, tough to hit but I mean did you have his number or oh he was very tough I think um, I think we we both had our moments against each other mm-hmm. uh, but the one that sticks out of course was the uh, the playoff game the home run that Rick Mundy hit off of him mm-hmm. uh, that allowed us to get to the to win the NLCS and go on to the right. to the 
waiting Yankees yeah. uh, the next day. And, <laughs> and we lost a couple games there and then won four straight in our first world championship in 81. But he just happened to be that pitcher and is uh, synonymous with that scenario. Awesome. Blue Monday. Blue Monday. He, I was surprised that he talked about it. But that, that was, uh, it was great that he did. All right. Um, I'm going to wrap this up and uh, get you over to where you need to be. So thank you very much, sir, for joining me. Absolutely. And to all the people connected with the industry, good luck to them. I've worked with many, many over the years, and I hope prosperity in the future. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You hang tight. We'll be right back. This is Tim from Signatures for Soldiers, and you are listening to the Fat Packs on Beckett Radio. All right, here we go. This guy's going to get his own segment because he's been he's been on three times in the last like month and a half, I think. Uh, this is Bart Silverman from Super Seven. What's going on? What's going on, Bart? Oh God, Eric, this is awesome. One, thanks for having me again. Yeah. I feel like I'm a regular on the Tonight Show, or yeah, something. right? Uh, <laughs> You're my which Johnny Carson feeling. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. But uh, you know, we're at this Beckett Summit in Vegas, and this is great. I didn't know what to expect, but having a, a great time, and it's it's always uh, neat to get around car dealers and around right. you guys with Beckett, and you can't beat being around Steve Garvey and Dave Dravecki either. So yeah. it's pretty darn cool. That, can we t- can we talk about the Garvey moment that you had earlier? We can. Thanks to you. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it's yeah, not well, what I'm asking for. No, but I'm, like like you, I just want to tell everybody like how like genuinely excited you were so <laughs> you had a smile on your face from ear to ear and i, I love seeing that yeah well, well well you know like you and i have talked about um we all have that guy whoever sure. that guy is it could be an actor it could be a, a rock star it could be a baseball player but for me it's garvey and uh-huh. uh you know i started worshiping at the altar of garvey in 74 with the dodgers as a little kid um, and that was the year, he, you know, he got written into the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. He was All-Star MVP. Uh, it was the National League MVP. And that really solidified my love for the Dodgers and my love for baseball sure. was around this guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here now as a 51-year-old, and I've got five, 6,000 Steve Garvey baseball cards. I've got, you know, 10 or 15 signatures and from various card shows over the years. But I've really never spent any time with them. Sure. I mean, I've shaken his hand at a card show. Uh, and so to get the opportunity, one, you know, I knew I was coming out here, but Alex from Beckett had mm-hmm. said, hey, you're not going to believe who our special right. guest is. You're, you're going you're gonna to wet your pants. It's Steve Garvey. And then just to see him, you know, walk into the room, I feel like I'm that six-year-old kid again. That's awesome. It's just awesome. And then when you came over and, and introduced me to him and I got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes, uh, that's one of those things where you kind of feel yourself go out of body. Sure. And like you're looking <laughs> down on yourself, talking to your hero and going, is this really happening? Pinch me. This is unreal. So <laughs> that's thank so you very cool. much. That's so cool, man. And then also I want to speak a moment just about Dave Dravecki. His story was amazing. Yeah. Uh, did you sit in there on yes. that oh, one? Yeah. 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 And then, like that guy, wow. Just the things that he has overcome. So it's unreal. And you know, with Dravecki as a fan, so it actually goes back to Garvey, eighty-four mm-hmm. Padres. So Garvey's yeah, yeah. left the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I, I, the Dodgers sucked that year. So I'm, you know, gravitating towards the Padres because Garvey is there. Fall in love with Tony Gwynn. How can you not? Nettles, Gossage, Dravecki's like the young buck with Gwynn on yeah. that team. And then to watch his career progress, and then see, we all remember. If you're old enough, you remember what happened to sure. Dravecki with his arm. And the crazy part is, like you and I were talking earlier. Our um, Brian Liu, who runs our e-commerce business, is a Psychotic Giants fan, like I'm a Psychotic Dodgers fan. And I told him I was going to be seeing Dravecki and Dave was going to be talking today. And Brian Liu texted me a picture of he was at the game, oh, his wow. comeback game, where Dravecki threw the 93 pitches right. after coming back after cancer. Uh, and, and Brian texted me the picture and the, and the box score that he had cut out. And it nice. all kind of comes full circle. But what an amazing man. And yeah. just incredible what he's overcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next thing I want to talk about is uh, like kind of the reaction that Super 7 has got from you guys being a, a sponsor of the show and being on the show at the National. How, 
how do you feel about that? Like, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. I mean, you know, this is one of those things where you you get to work around Major League Baseball and the mm-hmm. NBA and create action figures and talk to guys who own baseball card stores. Like, mm-hmm. you get paid to do this. Like, this is <laughs> this is kind of surreal. So it's fantastic, and I think that the reaction that we got both at the National and here at the Beckett Summit has been extremely positive. Sure. I think what we're doing is a little bit surprising. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that, like, it's not like we've had some massive advertising blitz. We've advertised with you guys mm-hmm. in, in the Beckett Monthly and what have you. Uh, but I think to most of the people that we've seen here, 100, 120 baseball card stores and hobby shops, they've went, whoa, where did this come from? Sure. And it's like it reminds you, what we do, I think, reminds you of your childhood or something that could have existed in your childhood. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of wondering where it came from or did we recreate something from the past? Uh, and I've been really encouraged by the positive feedback we've had here. We're going to open up a ton of local card shops around the country sure. because we were here at Beckett. And uh, it also gave us a lot of great feedback for the future mm-hmm. on different players different teams, different ideas on how to merchandise the product, um, different sports to look into that, that maybe we weren't otherwise necessarily thinking of. We had a meeting with NASCAR here. Right. And, and, and that was really neat. That, that would not have happened if we weren't out here at the summit. We had a fantastic meeting with the NASCAR folks, and you realize, like, I'm sitting in Los Angeles. NASCAR's not you know, right. nearly as big of a deal as it is in the South, the Southeast, mm-hmm. certain parts of the country where it's every bit the sport of baseball, basketball, football. Absolutely. So all of a sudden now NASCAR's on our radar. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. Now, uh, you got to experience something that um, I only got to see peripherally, peripherally, right. however you say it. So uh, it's like the speed dating meet the industry type thing <laughs> that we did. So uh, Again, you said that you didn't really know what to expect coming into it, right? And then all of a sudden, you're you're sitting in in, in a chair in front of twenty of your new best friends. Yes. Uh, tell me about that experience. Yeah, that, that was a trip. I was, I was talking to my wife about it last night, and I'm like, I've now speed dated. Like I, I've been with Katie for 25 years, and I never had to speed date, luckily, because we started dating in college. But right. Yesterday was a trip because you had the way that, that Beckett organized this was you had 10 to 20 car dealers in a meeting and then you had nine of these meetings in a row and they were like 20, 20 minutes a piece. Right. So the first couple, like the first one I stumble and bumble a little bit because it's not like I've got a script. I do what I do and the second one goes a little bit smoother. Sure. But by like the fifth one, right. I have no earthly idea what I've said. <laughs> if I'm repeating myself, I, I'm just completely lost. And luckily the car dealers are, and the store owners are all sharp enough to ask the questions that need to be asked. Sure. But I think that by the time I got to the seventh one, it was very out of body. Like, right. I'm losing my voice. I have, <laughs> where am I? What group are you? Did we even talk about this yet? Right. Uh, now, the flip side is, is how often in a couple of hours do you get the opportunity to present your stuff right. to 120 car dealers? And like, boom, 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 boom. You're in a room. You're face to face. It's very direct engagement. There's really no interference. And so I, I really, I, I applaud it. I was, right. It was a pretty fantastic couple of hours, and I think it was an extremely positive experience for us. And hopefully the card stores got something out of it, too. Sweet. I think that um, just kind of hearing chatter around the room, I think they did. Oh, good. So good. that's going to okay. be uh, it's going to be fun to see what comes out of that in the next coming months, you know, into 2020. And see what it, happens. Exactly. Now, now, the, now we chase it. Um, you know, we've got a dozen of our baseball action figures ready to ship. So hopefully okay. that stuff gets into stores like before the playoffs. But then with a lot of these stores, you know, they don't just carry baseball cards. They carry non-sports. Mm-hmm. They carry comic books. They carry Funko Pops. And so it was really interesting for, for me to get to explain to them the product that we do for, say, Transformers or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Masters of the Universe uh, because we do have a broader world of product that right. we can be selling them. That's really where Super 7 comes from. The sports thing is very new for us. Right, absolutely. So that's that's a great transition 
transition into what I really wanted to talk to you about today was like those those non-sport uh, products. We, we we talked about it briefly before, but I'm looking at your table and I can see everything set up here and I can touch it and feel it and like it, it's a lot of fun just looking at it. First, I, the first thing that my eyes drawn to is those br- that breaking set. Uh, <laughs> I understand that this next little probably three or four minutes is going to be very demographic specific. Uh, if you didn't love hip hop in the '80s or breakdancing, this might not be for you. You can come back in four minutes, but like that's something that I love. So yeah. let's talk about that for a minute, please. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. With what happens is from our world, you work with the movie studios, mm-hmm. and when you go to work with the movie studio, like in this case, it's MGM. And so we went to MGM to do our Rocky action yeah. figure set. Okay. But what happens is you end up looking over the entire roster, the history mm-hmm. of MGM studios, and you're like, oh wow, I didn't realize you guys did Red Dawn. Yeah, we might be interested in that or whatever. Well. Brian Flynn, uh, our owner and founder, you know, he's the one who who zeroed in on breaking. He's like, this is the first breakdancing movie. Oh my God, nobody's mm-hmm. ever done action figures. This will be unreal. And so we put the contract together with MGM for four or five movies, and everybody internally, frankly, was kind of laughing at Breakin. Like, who the hell cares about Breakin? <laughs> uh, is it going to mean anything? But I'm with you, Eric. Like, growing up in that, when that movie came out my junior year of high school, and you, so you had that, and then you had Beat Street, mm-hmm. and those two movies really introduced a... And Crush Groovin'. You know, crush Groove, there yep. you go. Like, I'm a white kid in Irvine, California, and look like, you know, you buy the first Run DMC record, everybody mm-hmm. had Sugar Hill Gang or whatever, but this was really an introduction into that world. Uh, so I think that guys who are 40, 50 years old now, it is going to capture a sweet spot, a very mm-hmm. nostalgic place for them. So it was very much a risk for us. We had no earthly idea how it would do. And, and San Diego Comic-Con, which, you know, I know this is a more sports-centric audience, but San Diego Comic-Con is like the national, you know, right, for, the, for the comic book yeah. world. We released a three-pack of, of Special K and Ozone and Turbo, the three main characters of the movie, wearing their most infamous outfits, mm-hmm. you know, very 80s, Miami Vice-esque neon colors. Mm-hmm. And we packaged it in a slip-covered boombox from the movie. And, like, again, what is it going to mean? What is it going to do? Well, we sold out. Uh, you know, thousands of pieces over the course of a couple days in San Diego. Now we have the individual carded figures, so you mm-hmm. can still buy those at super7.com. Um, but what it also showed us was that the hip-hop world of that era has been neglected product-wise. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? Like, like we've done really, really well the last couple of years as a company doing punk rock figures and, mm-hmm. and heavy metal figures, and that could be the Misfits or King Diamond or Slayer. Or, or Slayer yeah. or what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but now what I've done from a licensing standpoint is we've aggressively pursued getting... We've just signed a deal with Notorious B.I.G. Actually, this is the first time we've ever announced that. Oh, wow. So, awesome. So we've got Biggie coming out uh, latter part of 2020, Eric B. and Rakim. Um, we're working with De La Soul. So there's all these artists from that era. Wait, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> this, is, this is sensory overload right now. Right. This, like, this is my music. So, yeah. Yeah. okay, now uh, we're best friends. Right, there you go. I love it. <laughs> I need all. So, like, you signed something with Notorious B.I.G. That's awesome. So are are there, like, are you going to do different outfits? And, yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh. Different eras. Okay. Um, so, you know, whether we, it's early in the development stages, like sure. we're just now working on the artwork, because like I said, I think this is going to be an October or November of 2020 release. Okay. Because it takes a year. Like you sign a contract, it takes a year to make an action right. figure. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, yeah. a, a really difficult process from start to finish. But, you know, we'll look back at the album covers. We'll look back at the most uh, popular photographs where mm-hmm. you're really capturing a moment in time. The music video outfits would certainly be something sure. that we would look at. And I think with Biggie, you know, you're not going to be able to do 20 different variations of him as an action figure. Right. But you'll certainly be able to get two, three, four, five versions of, right. of him. And what we do is we would release those kind of like we've done so far with the Misfits uh, sure. or, or King Diamond where every month or two, here's another variation that's coming out. I have to be a part of this process. Can you please? <laughs> 
please like like can I submit some photos or some pictures that whatever you want you know where to find me that, absolutely that's awesome that yeah. is like so with hip hop it really goes back to the pro set yo MTV rap set cards oh. that they did you know sure and, and that's about it out there on the collectible world you can find other stuff right. you know Funko Pop does stuff yeah they, but like. That is really cool to me. So I'm now I'm giddy like you were giddy earlier. There you go. Garden. I love it. Love that's, it. That's and, so, and looks so great. Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, it's interesting. I we all have our genres that we love. Like I, I am a Southern California kid who grew up with punk rock and alternative rock, and so mm-hmm. that's what I lo- live and breathe. But I also absolutely distinct. I mean, I went to I saw the Beastie Boys and Run DMC yeah, in '86. Yeah. Uh, you know, with Houdini, I think it was, and right. uh, you know, whatever tour that was, I can't even remember at this point. You couldn't help but get get sucked up into that world, and uh, it was just so colorful and so fun and so different. So now we've made a concerted effort for hip hop to be an starting in fall of 2020. Every month we should have a hip hop release of one awesome. form or another, and I'm going to keep adding more and more licenses Sweet. with more and more artists, and we'll continue to do heavy metal, we'll continue yeah. to do punk. Um, we're working on some big name, just mainstream rock bands, you know, classic rock bands. Mm-hmm. I can't really name it because they're yeah. not signed yet. But right. uh, we want to really expand music. Like No sports. one wants 38 Special. Okay? No, no, <laughs> we're not going to do 38 Special, I don't think. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but, you know, for us, it was like 2019 was where we launched. We'd always done pop culture. 2019 is where we really launched the sports thing. We'll get into the heavy in the 20. Mm-hmm. The back half of 20, we really want to expand our music business and, and, and diversify just away from heavy metal and, yeah. and get into all kinds of different things. Is country music an option? I think it is. You know, it's funny. Like, like it's not like me or Brian or Josh sit around listening to country music every day. Mm-hmm. Certainly, you got to respect the Johnny Cashes of the world right. and, and, and whoever. Um, but what has been interesting is retail. Our retail customers have reached out to us mm-hmm. and said, what about country? You guys sure. are missing an opportunity with country. And, you know, the interesting thing for us as a company... We try not to just release figures of dudes. Sure. Like, it tends to be somebody who's more of a character character yeah. or caricature. So who's larger than life? Who has a persona? Sure. Like, I don't know that we would release an action figure of just a person, but then, like, Willie Nelson or Johnny Cash yeah. really did become characters, right? Right, right. Um, and, and there's certainly some people in contemporary country who, who I think could take on that same role. Right. So I think when the right opportunity arises, we will do country. Right now, we haven't quite found it yet, but sure. we're definitely talking about it with some of the music labels. Uh, who might make sense? Okay, I want to I want to play a game here that I've just thought of off the top of my head. <laughs> I want to name a, a brand. Okay, and you tell me if uh, it's been done or if it might be in the oh, future. Oh, interesting. Sure, is that okay? Sure, yeah. All right, Saved by the Bell. Uh, in works, uh, literally in works. We have it under contract. Really? Yep. Awesome. It, I would, probably twenty twenty one at this point. All but right. Yes. Golden Girls. Uh, I, here's my concern with it. Like it, we've been offered it. Has it been overdone by some of our? I, I hate to call our, these guys competitors. We're all friends, right. but you know, I've seen it out there from Funko. They nailed it. Seen it out there from NECA. They nailed mm-hmm. it. Does the world need it from Super Seven? We're considering it. I'll put it that way. Okay, uh, Three's Company. Uh, I love it. Okay. I wonder if the property is a little bit too old. So what we right. found is like like I could put Three's Company into a basket with Mork and Mindy and Happy Days and even going a little earlier, Brady Bunch and mm-hmm. Partridge Family. Like it's fun. We really like the idea of it. But our so I'm 51 and I was that guy. But is anybody who's older than me who mm-hmm. would really be the sweet spot truly going to go buy an action figure? And we wrestle with that. I'm sure. not saying no. Right. But but we have so much going on. We haven't decided to say yes. Alf. Uh, we would absolutely do Alf if we can figure it out. Okay. We're, we're talking about it. Cheers. Yeah. Um, so, so here's what I'd like to do for Cheers, if we can pull it off. 
Uh, NBC property, we have a great relationship with those folks. I'd, I don't think we as a company would want to make a Sam Malone, but I'd love to make a Sam Malone Boston Red Sox action yeah, figure. Perfect. I think that would be a really cool twist to do. That would be so a cool letting a cat like, out of the bag a little bit with that, but we would try that. That if would we could be do a cool it. little add on to your site. Exactly. Yeah. Like it works for pop culture, it works for baseball. Yeah. And, and I'd like to do that, you know, in a lot of cases with whether we're doing something like The Natural, where we're doing uh, a Roy Hobbs figure, yeah. or something like, somebody like Sam Malone. Um, we have some, I can't, I can't talk about all of them, but we have some really interesting mashups coming in the second half of 20 and the spring of 2021 okay. where we're taking pop culture properties and marrying them up with Major League Baseball. Okay. And so we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes, but I think it's going to go really, really well. Okay. Did I go too deep? Because if I did, I'll... I'll uh, no, no. Okay. All good. This all is right. awesome. Uh, mash. Uh, I think it, I worry about it much like Three's Company. Right. Like, does it skew too old? There's mm-hmm. business there. Um but is there enough? Like the problem for Super 7 is, and I think we talked about this the last time we, we talked, we have went from five, six employees to 40 right. in a year and a half. Trying to, to prioritize and figure out, okay, what are we doing next? And, and in a business that's just added the sports piece, you know, baseball we've talked about now since the national. Now we've got NBA coming out in the spring. Uh, you know, we're, we're certainly working on all the other pro sports leagues too. There's just only so many hours in the day. Sure. So, so every day we get into these conversations about, oh, that would be awesome to do. Right. But how does it fit into the bigger, bigger picture schedule? Okay. So I got two more for you. Okay. All sure. right. Um, the next one, I'm going to kind of cheat and just throw it all together as a conglomerate. Yeah. But anything on the TGIF lineup, so uh, Boy Meets World, uh, you know, uh, Family Matters, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Uh, so, so all of that does fall under Disney, and okay. I will say now that it's signed, is we have signed a contract with Disney Consumer Products. Okay. Um, we are just literally just now diving into exactly what the priorities are going to be for us with right. Disney. Some of it will be animated. Some of it will be Pixar. Some of it could be TGIF. Yeah. Uh, like, I really like the idea of it. It's funny you bring it up. My kids, so I have a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 13-year-old, they were immediately all over me to make Hannah Montana figures mm-hmm. because, like, that was a big part of my oldest, older kids' mm-hmm. you know, childhoods. High school musical. Like, I, I can't help. Those things to me aren't vintage in the least, but then all of a sudden you blink and realize that was like 10 years ago. Right. So maybe it is the timing is right to go do those things. So I, I like the idea of it. I could see some of those things coming into our coming into play. Awesome. And then the last one is actually three. Okay. Because this is a debate that we have in the office all the time. <laughs> okay. It's a debate at home. Seinfeld Friends office. Uh, okay. Okay. So um, we're negotiating on Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, they're very, rightfully so. Most brilliant to me, the most brilliant sitcom yeah. ever on television. With that, they're very, very particular in what products they'll yeah. allow into the marketplace. Right. So what I will say regarding Seinfeld is we have an agreement with Warner Brothers, and we're going forward on multiple Warner Brothers properties, starting with Thundercats. That's okay. actually out well, right awesome. now for us. Sweet. We want to do Seinfeld. We will absolutely do Seinfeld, provided Seinfeld approves our concepts. Mm-hmm. If we can do this, in my mind, it'll actually be the greatest action figure line absolutely. ever Absolutely. I, I can't 100% wait. agree. Uh, I cannot wait. Now, Friends, our concern with Friends is it's a little bit more, they're, they're just people. You can't get into character as okay. much. All right. So we like the idea, but we haven't really dove into it. I'll expand on your office and add Parks and Rec. All right. I think uh, you know we've had long conversations with NBC about both the office and Parks and Rec. I personally think it would be awesome for us to do. Uh, I will be surprised if we don't do it, but I don't think it'll happen prior to 2021. I need a Dwight K. Schrute <laughs> exactly. and a Jim Halpert like nobody's business, right? right? right. And I'm with you. I totally agree. And, and, you know, the thing is, is you get into these conversations about, about a certain property and you kind of will bounce it around the four or five of us that make these decisions. And not everybody's going to be a fan of every show, right? Sure. Not everybody watches every show that's out there. Um, so certain people don't get it. 
and, and other people are all over it. And we always try to find a happy balance because mm -hmm. the beauty of Super 7 for the most part in the 18, 19 years Brian's had the company is we've made the stuff that's near and dear to Brian and Dora's heart sure. and Josh, Josh Herbelsheimer as well, uh, who's been with Brian Flynn for a million years. Um, and now as the company expands, we find ourselves with demand and a mm -hmm. different level of exposure in the business. And we have to kind of, in, in my mind, open up our minds a little bit to go, you know, I'll give you, I'll actually give you a perfect example and a scoop. Like we're, we're, I'm an enormous Star Wars guy. Mm -hmm. I've never been a Star Trek guy. Like you, okay. not that you have to be either or, but right. I'm a big Star Wars guy, but we're doing a deal or have done a deal for Star Trek okay. and we're bringing Star Trek out. And I don't, I'm not as passionate about that as I am. Star Wars, but I completely see the validity of this and think it will be an, a fantastic product line for us. Uh, and I have plenty of friends around me who are more excited about doing Star Trek than they would be if we did Star Wars. So, uh, now, I have a variant that's going to be funny to me and no one else, okay? <laughs> so my third grade pitcher, my third grade school pitcher, I have a series of lumps in my head and I look like Lieutenant Worf <laughs> okay. because... Um, this is a really strange story. I was running to school with my brothers and sisters, and I was in the lead. Okay. okay? And I kept looking back to make sure that, sure. I was, that they weren't catching me. And I looked back one too many times, and I ran smack dab into a pole oh and my knocked God. myself flat out. Seriously? Flat, I was out of school for a week. Whoa. day I go, to, go back to school, I have a series of lumps in my head from knocking myself out <laughs> that are still there. So that's picture day. Okay. And, beautiful. Uh, yeah, beautiful picture, right. right? So if we do, if we got to have a Star Trek uh, in honor of my dad, God rest his soul, okay. uh, who loves Star Trek, uh, an Eric Norton Worf right. variant. <laughs> that, <laughs> that I be, like it. That would be so awesome. Uh, all right. I'm, no, I'm no, stop. I, I'm I, stop. I like it. Let's, let's figure it out. All right. One yeah. last one. Big sure. Bang Theory. Um, so we get a lot of requests for it. A lot of requests for it. And, and that's one of those that... I think now as the years go on and you realize the cultural impact that the show has had, it, it does make sense for yeah. us to do. Um, as of right now, it's not on the calendar. It, it has been discussed and it'll continue to be discussed. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's one of those that's almost like, like art versus commerce. Like I know we would sell a ton of it, right. but um, you know, we'll be more passionate about making this thing or the other thing that, that we're just more passionate about. But sure. I wouldn't be surprised to see us go down that road uh, awesome. in the relatively near future. Awesome. All right. I kept you long. And I, I, we actually postponed this because I know that we could talk. So <laughs> four-hour podcast. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. So uh, I'm going to wrap that up now because there's another panel starting and i got to get in there. So thank you, Vart, for joining me. Eric, it's awesome. I love talking to you and happy to do it anytime. Awesome. Thanks a ton for the opportunity. Uh, give social media one more time, okay? Oh, yeah. We're at super 7 com and super7sports.com uh, and that is super7 at super7 on Facebook on Instagram on all the the Twitter you know all the fun social media platforms and I got to get tip my cap to our social team and Brian Lou they're doing an awesome job it's a lot of fun to follow our account they do a great job awesome all right guys hang tight we'll be right back yo yo this is Joseph Gosh world champion handballer and you're listening to the fat pack hey guys um back in my room here from the Industry Summit at the Westgate Resort in Las Vegas. I needed to break up the show here because I realized I have a lot of content from uh, day two, and it's all great, but I can't get it all on one show because it would be like a like a two-hour show, and I don't really want to do that to you guys. So what, I'm, what I did here today was just split this up, uh, and we're going to... We're going to go with uh, the three that you heard, obviously. Joe Davis, Steve Garvey, and Bart Silverman from Super 7. So, um, 
those three will be the first part of day two. And then we're going to end up with Mike Fruitman, uh, Ben from Auto- Autographs 247, Buck City Breaks, and Dave Dravecki uh, on the second part, which will be posted later in the week. I don't want to hit you with a, with a two-hour podcast. That's a that's a long one. Uh, in the past, I've done that, and the feedback that I received from it wasn't great. So, in the in the uh, essence of keeping your time to uh, to a minimum, I know that there are a lot of shows out there that you guys listen to, which is uh, I'm thankful that I'm a part a part of that uh, rotation. I don't want to hit you with a two hour two hour podcast and just put all this content on you. Uh, but I want to say thank you to uh, Joe Davis at Got Baseball Cards, Dodgers legend, legend Steve Garvey. I apologize for getting uh, – I, I said the Phillies. I meant the Padres. I was got ahead of myself, so I apologize for that. And then, uh, of course, Bart Silberman from Super 7. Great sports discussion there and then transition into uh, non-sports about some products that they have coming out. Really excited about that hip-hop line. Uh, got some breaking news on the show, so that's cool. Exclusive, exclusive, as they would say back on the fan. Um, guys, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm going to drop this one today, and then we'll have a, 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 th- a third show from the summit coming up later in the week. Heading back to Texas soon, so I will be able uh, to get back in regular rotation. But again, just thanks for listening. And I'll be back soon. Until then, just keep listening. Cue the trick.